Hello and welcome to Better in the Movie. I am Jeanette. She is Tamika, and we are here talking books. How? Oh, did I press the? Yeah, I did. Shit. Mm. How are you today, my friend? We out here. No, I'm fine. I'm um doing well. Just getting my bearings. Bearings. Um. You know, how are you? I am okay. I got three day work week this week, so. Praise God. Oh shit, so do I because I thought I was going out of town, but I'm not. Um so I have to work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but not Thursday, Friday, because I plan to go skid information. Mm-hmm. But Beyonce um postponed the Nashville show, so I'm not going to be able to go. Now I was O D <laughs> five star level 10 pissed red level level (laughs) orange angry and not because she the the show was postponed because that's not you know whatever it happens but the way in which it was handled just rubbed me the wrong way but uh, anyway yeah so so tell the people where they can find us on the internet (laughs) If you would like to hear more of my grievances about the cancellation, please tweet me. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be happy to get into it. Um, You can find us on the internet at betterthanthemovie.com or on Twitter at betterthantm. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash betterthanthemovie. And if you would like to leave a voicemail message for us, you can give us a call at 210-816-2886. All right. So All right. News you can use. Doom, boom, doom. Yes, the music. <laughs> okay, so it's the first one. <laughs> All right, so the first one is um an article from Entertainment Weekly. It's called Why Publishers Are Betting Big on Debut Novelists. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't <laughs> I didn't read this in this entirety. I just skimmed it a bit or whatever. But um it's basically talking about why um, virtually unknown people are getting like these huge advances mm-hmm. um, for books. But there was a one part, and I'm sorry, I'm just I just want to scroll through a little bit here. Um, okay. And it says you can't ta- you can't count on selling a book on the writer's talent alone. So while factors like being photogenic or savvy with social media won't make or break a deal, they can definitely sweeten it. Hmm. Um, and then it's it goes on to say um, we look at all of that stuff, but insists we would have paid her the same money if she weighed five hundred pounds and was really hard to look at. That's my firm belief. What? <laughs> yeah. So basically, they um, advanced this young woman two mil for a three book deal. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Based on what? Reading two pages of her a novel. What? Mm-hmm. Didn't this already blow up in their face with that one nine hundred page? What's the name of that book? <laughs> uh, it it did, but they don't really care apparently. What's the name of that book? City of Failing, Fail Well. <laughs> city, <laughs> city of Failure. Five yeah. failures in New York, whatever it was called. <laughs> it was nine hundred pages, and they paid him out the butt, and that Slushker didn't move no units. No units, and so they're still doing it. 
So, publishing has the money, y'all. <laughs> Just don't get it twisted. Don't be fooled. <laughs> yeah, and they spend it in the ways that they want to spend it because um, the rep from Random House says, we have the best writers in the world at Random House. Sometimes those writers come at a premium and we have paid it. But they haven't proven themselves $2 million worth. No, they haven't. They haven't. So it's just a gamble. Yep. I think this is... I think this is some of that, um, it's some of that doing a thing to make the news so the book isn't the thing, the advance is the thing, Mm -hmm. and they're banking on this kind of story going viral and this kind of story spreading and people talking about it and then going to go get the book to to see if it it lives up to it. Yeah, this is not about... This is a marketing thing. Yeah, they can afford to take the loss, but I mean, you can get people interested if you start talking about a $2 million book. Now that, I mean, a $2 million advance on three books. Now that you have the book Turnet um, that is in love with everything and that goes nuts, and so they're willing to take that gamble, that's fine. That's fine. I like to see how many people of color. Zero. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You're ready. Zero. You know, I was on top of that. On top of that. And I'm not even saying people of color because the model minorities can very well um, see these sorts of things happen for them. But how many black people are getting this sort of advance? Mm -hmm. Mm. Settle. Not Mm. one. Mm. Hmm. So they got the money to put behind what they want to put behind. (laughs) But You've got black folk out here that are publishing in small presses or self-publishing or um, doing short stories and just getting in where they fit in, but they are proven. They've won multiple fellowships and won and are earning money, but they don't want to put no money behind them. They don't want to put okay. no money behind them. All right. All right. right. Just, They're just making like, waves on their own. Nobody's behind them, you know, climbing the charts, but nah, let's just, not put money behind them. I just want to know. I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page. We're all clear. Nothing has changed in the book world without better than the movie knowing about it. No. Okay. Not nothing. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. We're not, we're not, not going to beat that dead horse, but congratulations. And I hope that you get all the success that you that your writing deserves. Um, yeah, that's a very nice way of saying it. I hope that it's a huge failure and Random House loses a lot of money. I mean... I'm not diplomatic at all. <laughs> I mean, because, you know, they hear us. You know what I mean? They hear the people talking about diverse books and publishing. They don't care, y'all. Okay, they, they don't, don't give uh, uh, all right. Actually, so. a little, I actually had a little rant about that on my soul today, um, because I I went back and forth about whether or not I even want to talk about this shit or give it any sort of like space on our show. Um, mm-hmm. The shit with that woman who wrote that book and she called a black male character a dark chocolate monkey of love or some shit like that. Girl, y'all threw me all off the curb with that one. I was like, excuse me? Listen. And so this happened last week. Um, I promptly just fired off a 
a missive of tweets at her that she never responded to, of course. Um, a lot of people just dragged her through the mud. Her publisher came back and said, you know, oh, we realize that this is um, something that should have been caught in the process of editing. We are now um, making strides to go back and, you know, we're going to take the book, take it. I think they took the book completely off. I don't know. I didn't really whatever i don't care but the whole thing that came out of this thing and the thing that really fucking pissed me off was some shit called a sensitivity reader Mm -hmm. so now um this this publishing house that published uh the piece of trash that this woman wrote um uh put out an ad for sensitivity readers so they are looking for people who are of the culture that people are writing about um that they are not necessarily of to read through these novels and to let them know if problematic shit like calling somebody a monkey when he's a black man um pops up and then you know giving them tips on how to revise and maybe say it a little bit better so here's my issue with that Mm -hmm. right and, you know, you can have one to 42 sensitivity readers, whatever. Mm-hmm. What offends one black person is not necessarily what offends all black people. What offends two black people is not what offends all black people. So she could have very well had somebody black in her life who saw this shit that she wrote and was like, oh, okay, cool, whatever, haha. Yeah, you know, I'm not taking it any further. But then the great majority of us was like really white bitch monkey (laughs) so yes um, i don't really see the purpose of having a quote-unquote sensitivity reader maybe just don't write about shit that you don't have intimate knowledge about and you can't do research about right Mm -hmm. can that be a thing Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. like maybe don't write about um black culture if you only know the black people that you see at your local starbucks every day so listen (laughs) and like the focus of like that woman's book wasn't even like black culture or whatever but she wrote um this black male character who was okay with referring to himself as a monkey which that's go on sorry go on so i read the past i mean i read the original passage you know where this was included and i was just kind of like That is one of those things where I can see that they were like, okay, this character is calling himself that he's making this kind of like, I'm not this person, whatever. And he's making this almost like a joke or making like, but something had to stop you, your fingers. Your fingers had to hover over the keyboard and say, "Mm, how is this going to go over? How will this affect other people? Like, I can't imagine writing a story with an Indian character and making some sort of crazy joke about, you know, based on some stereotype or something offensive and not even, like, struggling with that. Even if it was part of the story, even if it was a joke, even if it was whatever, I just cannot imagine that these people are not stopping thinking about it mulling it over, and then just saying, fuck it, I'm doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. And look where that keeps getting you, because people are not just going to be quiet about it anymore. And I'm like, your intention? Like, I I, I, I stepped back enough, or I stepped away from it enough to see that this person probably did not, you know, 
mean any harm, but you gotta freaking think this isn't your shit to joke about. So you here's know what the I'm thing, saying? Right? <laughs> Apparently this woman has a history of being pl- problematic. This is right. the first time she's done some problematic shit. This so is like, what I'm saying. So it's not your thing to joke about and you know. You, you know, know it's not. You know it's not. Like at this point I feel like it's purposeful disrespect. And you deserve every bit of dragon that everybody has done. It is, and it's this kind of, and I don't want to call it generational as an age, but just this thing that's happening now with this kind of over-the-top, inappropriate humor that gets a, that you that gets a pass because it's so out there, inappropriate, crazy. Some of that Amy Schumer shit, some of that Lena Dunham shit, where it's like I can say whatever because I'm being funny and it's all good. And now who's gonna stop me? And it's irritating. It's irritating because it's not funny. And it's like you don't don't say I'm being funny. You say I don't care about what you think and your feelings. I would I would at least kind of a little bit respect the honesty. You know. Move on to the next story. Yeah, we can move to the next story. Um, so Harpo, Oprah Winfrey, <laughs> is starring in the immortal life of Henrietta Lacks, the film adaptation. Okay. What are your right. thoughts on this? Um. Okay, so I don't really have a problem with Oprah in movies because I think Oprah is actually a, a good actress. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um. I think she has the capability to remove her. I mean, to she's a good enough actor that you can kind of, after you get over the initial, oh my God, it's Oprah, you can see her. I'm thinking of her role in Salem. She did not overpower that movie. It wasn't bad. I think she did a great job in, in Salem. Selma. Um, Selma. What? Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Lord Jesus, don't take my black card. Um, but I just, I think, I mean, I'm glad that the story is being told, and I'm glad that she optioned it. Oprah is a great actress. I don't know about her chops as a producer. Sometimes she makes bad choices. We won't talk about what I'm thinking of because I don't want to get you fired up. But she, I mean, I don't have a problem with it. I, 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 yeah, you know? Yeah, I don't really have a problem with her. <laughs> I don't have a problem with um, her, you know, doing this or whatever. Um, I do wonder, however, if the family or descendants, rather, of Henrietta Lacks will be seeing some coin from this. I mean, I would hope so. Because they didn't you know. see much coin from the book. So right. I mean, there's in that story. I it just gets under my skin because it's kind of a continuation of what we're talking about in the first place, like mm-hmm. what the story's about in the first place. But at the same time, um, I trust Oprah a little bit more. To even though she may not legally be obligated to, mm-hmm. I trust that she would. Um, do right by this family, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I, that was the furthest thing from my mind, to be perfectly honest with me, with you. Not that I don't think that somebody should just do right by these people, but at the same time, it's kind of like I'm, I'm looking at it from the perspective of her, this story is getting told and spread to a larger audience, mm-hmm. and it's a story that's really, really, really important and that needs to be told, and I'm excited that it's getting made. I hadn't really thought about all of the other 
pieces, but I hope so. I mean, I trust Oprah to I just do right. like for people to get they do. That's all. I do. I mean, I don't know enough. I can also say I don't know enough about her family to know who should get what. Right. Who's who. That's true. But yeah, I don't. I don't mind Oprah as an actress at all. Um, and I'm interested to see how this will be developed. Because what is is it through HBO? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm interested to see how it's going to turn out. I think they do good work at HBO for the most part. Yeah. I um. You know, some of the criticism is like, oh, Oprah needs to step back and blah, 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 and let younger people do it or some people that aren't on. I think she does that enough um, and creates – she shares her platform as much as anybody can be expected. Like, look at some of the – what was that thing called? That big thing she's doing on Oprah with Ava and um, – Queen Sugar. Queen Sugar. And, you know, she does these things, but, I mean, you know, she likes to act and she got the juice. And I wouldn't say, I'm going to star in this movie. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and y'all are going to watch it, and that's the end of that. So, I mean, Oprah's only human. So, I just imagine myself with her money. I would, I'm doing this movie. Girl, what are you saying? I would be Written, doing that. Starred. Everything. Produced. <laughs> going to adapt this screenplay. Costumes. Costumes. I get doing hair and makeup, craft services. Okay. I love it. It's all me. So, you know, go ahead, Oprah. I'm super. No, I'm serious. I read this book and it really just blew my mind. And I'm, just, I'm really glad that somebody is making it. And I would rather it be her than, than some other people. Okay. All right. So let's do the fourth one third and then the third one fourth. All right. Yes? All yes. Right. Check um, it. Um, oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. So bookriot.com, the Huffington Post of books, um, they... What? <laughs> Go on. <laughs> They created a list. Um, oh, there, there was an article. What are we calling this an article? It's a listicle. It's a post. A la fuzzbead. A reading list for Beyonce's Lemonade by Justina Ireland. If you remember, Justina was the one who wrote that formation um, breakdown for the whites. And it had, like, sriracha when we were talking about hot sauce. And there was no... Louisiana or oh, Tabasco, so, so we we was not I feeling just the out of my head, oh. ma'am. So <clears throat> what she did here for Book Riot is she wrote another thing um, about Beyonce's work, and she thinks that it deserves a reading list. And so she said, um, she said that okay. It really ain't much to this, but these are the books that she put. How It Went by Kekla Magoon. Um, it is about 16-year-old Tariq Johnson who dies from two gunshot wounds. His community is thrown into an uproar. Tariq was black. The shooter, Jack Franklin, is white. In the aftermath of Tariq's death, everyone has something to say, but no two accounts of the events line up. Day by day, new twists further obscure the truth. Okay. So... How It Went Down is by about Tariq Johnson, a 16-year-old boy who dies in, by the hand of Jack Franklin. There's no mention in this synopsis. Now, I have not read this book, but this is not a book about what? Black 
women. So I'm not really sure how this ties into lemonade. I got it. Okay, so what was it? Was it doing forward that she showed all the mothers of the black men that were killed? Was was that? I think so. Right? Okay, so someone correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so because she had those women featured in Lemonade, this book, nah, I can't even. No. All right. Okay, okay. All right. so then the next one is The Warmth of Other Sons by Isabel Wilkerson. Great book, Pulitzer Prize winning book about the Great Migration from the South to areas like Chicago, Detroit, California, and so forth and so on. Um, basically, it follows the story of three individuals Ida Mae Gladney, um, I forgot who the other one is, uh, George Starling, I think, and somebody else. Um, anyway, it's about the Great Migration. Um, in the 30s and 40s, and what happened to those wonderful black folks when they got to where they were going. Again, don't see the correlation. Don't really think she got what the hell Lemonade was about. And the last one. Oh, baby. The last one. The last. I'm sorry. I wish it was the last one. <laughs> by Jasmine Ward. Uh, Salvage the Bones is about a family getting ready for a hurricane um, down in Mississippi on the coast. And so um, they're a very, very poor family. The girl, she is pregnant and she is hiding it from everybody. She's 14. Her brother's raising some dogs. Pretty much it. Uh, so I don't know how that tied into it. Maybe a little bit. I can see a little bit when you're talking um, about, oh, I could never pronounce her name. Is it Esh? Esh, Esh. I think it is. Um, and her, you know, I don't want to call it promiscuity, but her kind of wanting this attention from men. Um, I can see a little bit of that possibly, but that's a real, real weak connection. And then the last one is Alyssa Cole, uh, Radio Silence by Alyssa Cole. Um, it's about the apocalypse. Mm -hmm. All right. So Arden Highmore was living your average post-grad life in Rochester, New York, when someone flipped the off switch on the world. No cell phones, no power, no running water, and no one knows why. All she and her roommate John know for sure is that they have to get out. Stat. His family's cabin near the Canadian border seemed like the safest choice. Girl, what in the fuck? Like, how? <laughs> how? And I don't even blame Justina because I'm sure that she's just trying to get some coins per click. Um, and we went ahead and kicked her .005 cents or whatever. But just uh, Book Riot has a managing editor. Do they not? Do they not have somebody that that reads this shit and sees if it applies, if it's appropriate? Do they even give a fuck anymore? Like, it's just anytime something happens and enough people are talking about it, you can count on Book Riot to create a goddamn list that is irrelevant, <laughs> incorrect, and insulting to the work that it's talking about. How are these things related to Lemonade? Girl, listen. In what way? Listen. Of all the goddamn books, Justina didn't even go for the obvious choices. I would have respected the obvious choices, albeit lazy, but at least it would be accurate. <laughs> but just let me throw four books and give you this is my contribution to. And the here's the thing theory. we are trying to figure out how she thinks that these tie into it. It was so lazy that they didn't even take the time 
to break down why this ties into lemonade. Thank you. It's and this is why be four books and these are the descriptions of them. There's no parallels drawn. Like I don't we're grasping at straws trying to figure out in what way she could have ever thought that these things lined up. Like I don't this is the main issue that I have. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. This is me talking, maybe, you know, doing it for the brand. Like I said before, I don't mind burning bridges if I wasn't supposed to be crossing that faulty motherfucker anyway. But when you make something, when you're talking about something as huge as literature and writing and books, you have an obligation in your whatever format that might be to give us the whole story, to give a shit about the content that you're putting out. It is not enough to take something that was, I take personally, a gift to us, and by us I mean black women, and just shit on it all the time and throw up, throw it up because everybody's searching lemonade. And if we got lemonade on our side, then we're going to keep, we're going to stay at the top of the searches. I mean, good for you. Get your money, but act like you give a damn. Do two things right instead of a hundred things. I do you know what I'm saying? Like it pisses me off. And then for somebody, another black woman to turn this shit in, this is, they, you are the, the token. I don't know how else to put that. You are the one that they put, that they say you're going to speak on behalf of the black women and tell us how lemonade and books are connected. And this is what you turned in proudly and put your picture on the thing. And this is what you did. when did the lemonade <laughs> drop? What date was that? Girl. The 23rd, 4th, okay, 7th. So this wasn't published until today. Right. So you had this whole week to do your research. Now, listen, we're going to be talking about the same sort of thing on today's show, right? Are we not? We are. Do you think that I would ever presume to just pull books out of my brain right now as we're speaking about it, that I wouldn't do my research and try to ha make some sort of connection to the books that make sense, as opposed to just saying, oh, this book was set in the South, that's why it fits. Oh, this book was written back in this time period and she was dressed like this, so that's why it fits. Oh, this book has, um, you know, violence in it and it kind of connects to the Black Lives Matter movement. And then she did have, you know, um, Mike, Eric, and um, Trayvon's mother's in it, so that's how this connects. Like, it's so lazy, and it's it pisses me off because I've seen like this whole week or whatever. I've seen like a lot of like academics um, posting like this hashtag lemonade syllabus, um, mm -hmm. and they list like four to five different books that they feel um, are uh, required reading post watching lemonade, and a lot mm -hmm. of them did make the parallels to um, their eyes of watching God or Toni Morrison's works, and I feel like. Um, those are very surface level things because um, the woman who the story of Lemonade is about is nothing like Janie Crawford. And so for someone to say, oh, yes, this makes me think of their eyes of watching God, that makes me believe that you never watched, um, you've never read the book. Because, but you know what I would also just respect? I would really respect shutting the fuck up if you don't know what time okay, it is. Okay, yes. Every day. All the time, all the time. four hours a day, seven days a week, always shut applicable. If you don't know what you're talking about, if you don't have shit to contribute to the conversation, shut the fuck up. Listen, listening is an art form that is so underrated. Yes, it is a part of communication, just as much as talking is, just as much as putting out 
taking in is also yeah. part of communication. That is communications one-on-one. But this is what happens when you claim to be a thing, but your staff doesn't represent that thing that you claim to be. Mm-hmm. And so that just pissed me off because they did the shit the week before, and I didn't say anything because maybe we didn't record, but they did the same shit when the purple one died, and I didn't appreciate that shit either because it was hella tacky, hella tacky. Throw up a book. Say, hey, here's a couple of biographies about Prince if you want to learn more, but don't try to make it a thing when you're not going to flesh it out. That's how I feel. Like, I put up biographies. Hey, I want if you want to know more about Prince's life, here's some things that were written by him. Sure. And that's all I said. Because I don't have any commentary or anything to go with it. I didn't say, here are five definitive artwork. No, I don't have that. I don't know. I ain't even read them books, to be perfect, to be quite honest. But here are some things that you might if you're like me, you go to that place when things like this happen. Like I read a Michael Jackson, a long ass Michael Jackson biography after he died because I wanted to consume that information about him. Yep. It's one thing to do something like that. Here, I don't know what I'm talking about, but here goes some people who do as opposed to, let me give you five totally bullshit things. Oh, the covers were purple. Right. It's nonsense. It's nonsense and people ought to be ashamed of themselves. Like I said, you have a responsibility, an obligation. If you're going to do the shit, do it right or just shut up. Amen. So in juxtaposition of that, (laughs) I actually found a really um, concise uh, article written for Fusion by uh, Nicole Perkins, who is Tennessee Whiskey Woman on Twitter, um, for things to read after watching Beyonce's Lemonade. And she broke it down into... I think it's three different sections. She broke it down into um, books about black womanhood, books about the supernatural, and then books on black relationships. Okay. um, Yeah. And so first of all, you can tell that um, Nicole actually did her research Mm -hmm. and she picked up on the elements of lemonade that stood out to her. And she then combined that with the knowledge that she already had to tell people, okay, you know what? You've seen lemonade. Maybe you want to know more, you know, um, and I also appreciate, I don't know where that um, chick for book writer is from, but I also appreciate that um, she is a Southern writer. And so mm-hmm. she has that um, that sort of uh, rootedness mm-hmm. to, um, to the, uh, what am I trying to say? To the material. Right. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so she wrote, um, I'm going to put this link up in the show notes. I'm not going to go through everything um, that she put, every book that she put down in here. It's a really good one, though. She it's did her homework. Really, it's a really, really, really um, good, concise list. Um, and there's one uh, part in the beginning where she's quoting Anna Julia Cooper, and she says, only the black woman can say when and where I enter in the quiet, undisputed dignity of my womanhood without violence and without suing or special patronage. Then and there, the whole Negro race enters with me. All right. Needed a second to let Anna Julia Cooper's words wash up over us. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is a great, 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 great. And it's so funny because I read this after I made my list and I was like, huh, I might have been on the right track then. <laughs> because some of the books that she put um, in here are some that are also. So all of my books are on this list. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't even have much of a list outside of what's already discussed, but that's okay. It's fine. Okay. Um, but yeah, <laughs> all right. So, um, like I said, I'm going to put the link to this in the show notes. Um. 
it's yeah. comprehensive. It's good. I am really it's yeah. Oh Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Okay. Are we done with the news? We are done with the news. Okay. <laughs> Talk about lemonade in the shade. Okay, so um, a couple of weeks ago, was it two weeks ago now? It will be two weeks um, here soon. Uh, Beyonce Giselle Knowles Carter. Um, full name. <laughs> she said, "I heard you complaining. I know that you were about ready to sell your tickets if I don't drop an album." I know, but let me just let me just tell you how it's gonna be. I told you once. She told you. Apparently, you who the f- do you think I is? Apparently, you ain't think Fat Meat was greasy when I dropped Beyonce like a thief in the night. So I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it to you one more time. And Mama said, HBO, I signed this deal with you, and one of us is going to get some shit out of it, and it's going to be me. <laughs> she let HBO, Homebox Office, stream this movie, premiere and stream um, this video movie um, called Lemonade for 24 hours and no more. <laughs> Do you hear me? HBO doesn't take shit down. They're still running Oz from 1999. <laughs> they don't take anything down. But they took Beyonce's down, and then you could get it on title. Now it's available for purchase on Apple and Tidal, but you can only stream it for free if you are a Tidal member, so come off them coins. Um, so, oh my God. So I was at home when it premiered. <laughs> I had bought tickets for my husband to go to a comedian that he really likes, and I was not there. And I was upset, but it was fine. <laughs> But at least we let you, well, I'll let you know you <laughs> that, like a friend. that the music came through. Because, you know, right. it could have been one thing that the album could have dropped. I mean, the, the visuals could have dropped or whatever, but that music could still been held tight. But I was like, oh, okay, you're just going to drop this music off a good eight minutes before this ends. All right, thank you, sis. I appreciate it. We do appreciate you. <laughs> so I was on my way home, or we were about to leave, and you were like, the album dropped. I was like, okay, 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 come on, come on, come on. Last joke, last joke, last joke. <laughs> and we got into the car, and I was going to listen to it. But then I was like, should I? And, I, and you know, um, y'all, our friends, were like, um, no, wait. <laughs> and so I had to wait till I get home. My husband stopped at the store. I was like, sir, no. Take <laughs> me home. Drop me off. You go and do whatever you're going to do in the store, and let me get started. And I got myself situated. And I was stunned. Stunned. You're talking about an undeniable piece of work. You are talking about, let me stand for a minute. You're talking about (laughs) people who said, I hate Beyonce. She's boring. I can't stand her. She sucks. Oh, my God. She's overrated. Y'all are crazy. Y'all, she thinks she this. She thinks she that. They have bought their suitcases. They U-Hauls and they backpacks. Yeah. I think the, the greatest thing was <laughs> our friend Ashley said um, all of the people who formerly um, couldn't stand Beyonce and had so much to say about her, now they're like, okay, so do we wear blue on the 4th of every month? Is this How do we do? Are we in formation? Baby, like, they have gentrified <laughs> the hive. <laughs> there is new niggas. 
<laughs> there are new people everywhere, all up and through the high. When I don't know, are you new here? I don't know you. You don't look new here, girl. Because it was undeniably good, and baby, it was for us. And when I say us, I don't mean women of color. I don't mean people of color. I mean black women. It was for us, and it told a story. We'll touch on whose story in just a minute, but it told a story um, in a way that I have never seen done before in music, and that is no no standing, nothing. I've never seen anything quite like that before. Um, and it was kind of telling, I think. Um, I read somewhere that, you know, it was kind of interesting that she came out with this phenomenal work after Prince had died, and it was, uh, these aren't my words, but it was a reminder that giants are still among us. So, you know, she still has, you know, 10, 20, 30 years to catch up to Prince or to even get on that level as far as the discography and the work and really seeing what she can do. But you just can't deny it. Like, I, this is this is a, a great start to being well on her way on that path. Like, so when I was watching, when I, I didn't get to, okay, so I watched it twice in the same night and I'll tell you why. Um, so I wasn't at home mm-hmm. um, and uh, my family is very, 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 very talkative and vocal and really don't know how to shut up doing things. Mm-hmm. And so before it even started, I was like, yo, like y'all are at like 10. I need to be like at a two, like put the kids in the room, turn on Disney yeah. channel, like don't come out here. Um, but unfortunately, you know, nobody really cared to really take the bass in my voice seriously. And so okay. I missed a lot of um, the interstitial um, poems from um, Warshire Shire that were um, linked in or whatever. And so, like, I could catch, like, snippets, but then, like, someone would ask me a question. And so when I watched it the second time, um, I was just really struck by how literary it was overall. Yes. Um, and I know it's because of... Uh, you know, the help from Warshawn and how it was uh, structured. Mm-hmm. Um, but even the way, like, even the cinematography was very, like, literary to me. Yeah. Like, I felt like it was super dramatic. And mm-hmm. I just... Uh, she I, went there. She went there. And it was... I watched it twice in a row. Like, I watched it twice in a row because my husband didn't get to see it. And obviously, I was like, sir, we got to watch this again together. And he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but, then, but then even he watched it and was like, whoa, like, wait a minute. Um, wow. You know, just struck with the imagery. Even, uh, what was that? What's that blog? Uh, Very Smart Brothers. They were like, if, if Beyonce was a baseball player, they would say she was on performance-enhancing drugs. <laughs> because is this the same person? You know, um, but it did. And if you look at all of the little um, the symbolism and the characters, when I say the characters, I mean the people in it. I mean, it was like a living book. Mm-hmm. Do you know? I mean, it was it was very much that there were pieces in there about like a dish that she displayed um, and the dish actually meant something um, in. I don't want to mess it up, but Santeria or maybe Yoruba, I don't know. But it was one of those, um, and it meant something, and the cracks in the dish meant something. And all of these things, everything in it meant something. Um, And whatever you came to the table with, I think, is what you took away from it. Um, 
what no whatever you came to the table with I think is what you yes right okay so um, and and that makes it art right because some people came away like oh my gosh this is her life and blah 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 blah, blah. and some people came away with something completely different you had a camp that didn't give a fuck about the cheating part they just looked at this as a gift to black women and they really focused on that last half of it and then you had those who totally focused in on the cheating oh, yes. part and the scandal and so I think that's what makes it art is that think, you know yeah, is that it gets that broad variety of responses and also mm-hmm. I just feel like people did it a disservice by taking everything at face value mm-hmm. um and that's even like as far as like the imagery, the lyrics, or whatever, um, which is again why it seemed very literary to me because there's like I don't know, like at points it seemed like an allegory. Like I can't even, I don't even have words to like describe how how moved it, I was by the whole thing. Right? And the, the whole thing struck me as this is going to sound super elitist, but when do I care about things like that? When um. When people say they don't get Toni Morrison, right, mm-hmm. it kind of reminded me of that because I think you have to have a certain understanding of the writer mm-hmm. and their intent when they come to the page to really understand the work. Yep. So people who had not really been following Beyonce like that or thought that they knew her one way um, and didn't really get her music and understand her and what she's been saying and how she's been growing were really blown away and they took this literally and I I realized that the people that I know of anyway who had been following her for a long time and listened to her music and were huge fans really kind of were like oh this is probably about 10% of her life if that this might not even be nothing you don't know and she has progressed in this way but people who are new to it are stunned and we're all sitting back like a little bit hipster like yes we know this is a natural progression for her because she has been doing this and been very vocal about her growth Mm -hmm. people weren't listening before and so I think in order to your interpretation of this work really is painted by your perception of her as an artist and your connection to the culture true True. Yeah, that's a whole other layer, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) But it kind of helps us segue into um, the other part of this discussion that we wanted to talk about, which was the idea that um, whenever work is created by Black artists, it's always seen as um, being autobiographical. And you touched Mm -hmm. on that a bit where you say, you know, people honed in on the cheating thing and they automatically like blew up Jay-Z's mentions like, you know, uh-uh, you just did, you know, like, everybody just, they internalize that so much for her, mm-hmm. um, and, and assume that, you know, the persona or the characters that were portrayed within the different songs of Lemonade, um, were her, mm-hmm. and it happens more often than not, um, I, I can't remember who, I can't remember, um, what we were reading, um, but it was like an article about like an MFA program or something. And one of the people, Oh, the Asian, yeah, uh, the Asian chick or whatever she was saying, you know, how, um, people would read, um, her work during the workshops and they would automatically assume that she was writing about her own life. Right. Um, and this is, go ahead. 
Because it's it's the it's the idea that when people of color or any sort of oppressed person really uh, in this country anyway um, writes when we write it's autobiographical it has to be our story like you, there's no way in hell that you're writing something or creating something uh, where this isn't your this isn't your story um, and people don't make that assumption all the time about white artists they are allowed and free to create whatever the hell they want to, whatever worlds they want to, to tell whoever story, whether they should be telling it or not. Um, they get all this space to do that. And as black, black art is always assumed to be autobiographical. I don't want to say always, but often assumed that it's autobiographical. It's about your grandmother or your mother or, well, obviously it's autobiographical to yourself. But, right. And there's no room for creativity. Or, or there's no room for imagination. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just it's that's that's such a stifling point of view for people to hold, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's uh, that's like part of the reason why it's it's um, I won't say it's crazy, but it's you know it's not really believable when Black people put themselves into the world of sci-fi or speculative fiction oh yeah having this um i remember having a conversation um with a young lady who i think she's mexican um on twitter and we were talking about that or whatever because she was because we were talking about i think i was talking about um white people writing the stories of blacks mexicans whatever whatever on twitter and i was just saying basically like i'm sick of it and let the people from the cultures write the stories. She was saying that, you know, I write like sci-fi and speculative fic, but I always write white characters because I didn't think that my people could be in space. Well, or, yeah. You know, so yeah. it, it's that whole thing kind of coming around too. Um, I know that we asked people um, to send them, send them, Lord, send us uh, their thoughts if they had any about uh, Black art as autobiography. I'm just read. Um, we got one from Ashley. I'm just going to read real quick. Um, she says, to accept the work of art as creative slash fictional versus autobiographical, one must believe that the creator has a part of themselves that is hidden in private and exists outside of the identities and relationships in one's life. The world at large grants pe most people this freedom and their creative work goes unchallenged as being some kind of autobiographical work. Black women, however, are rarely granted that freedom. Black women are both hyper-visible and invisible, and in that paradox, they're rarely allowed a creative space that exists outside of themselves. As many people fail to see Black women merely existing, existing outside of service to themselves. Black women rarely are. Black women are employees and bosses, mothers and wives, problems and condemnations, backbones and solutions, mules. In public consciousness, Black women exist solely in relation to others or to events and things, and as such, aren't granted creative freedom, creative license. So when a Black woman creates, it must be autobiographical, actual, factual. After all, how can someone who exists merely as fill-in-the-blank have time, space, and energy to create fictional art? They're too busy being the mules of the world. Oh, Ashley. If people only knew. I'm just so... <laughs> What a strong statement, but true, right? Um, I think there's the, that. I think that, especially in the case uh, with uh, Lemonade, and to tie into what Ashley's saying, it's kind of like your Beyonce Incorporated or whatever. You are Jay Z's wife and Blue's mama, and in charge of all of these people and all of these things, and you're this great big, you know. 
entity, not this person who is reading books on her yacht and learning and just existing and going through and inspired by what you're taking in. You're talking about a woman who has traveled the world for work and pleasure many times over, who has fallen in love and probably been through things and given birth and reads books and takes in art and touches all of these different people and it just couldn't, like nobody could wrap their mind around the fact that maybe she's just making all this shit up, like it tells a good story. Um, because she's supposed to be this thing. I think it also has to do with the simplification of her as a person, this idea that she's dumb. Here's an, oh, okay. So I'm going to put a pin in that really quickly um, just to make this one point. If she can make up an entire fucking persona, yes. Sasha Fierce, Yes. why does this work have to be Oh, this is be- you know. I said like, why does this? Uh, why is it automatically assumed that she's telling her life? So, first of all, she barely grants a damn interview to the press. Huh. Last interview she did, she emailed some little girl who um, her daddy was friends with her and Jay. So, like, why right. do you think that she would just go on wax and tell y'all all of her business? All of her business. But yes, let's circle back to that whole thing about people thinking that she's dumb because this is probably my biggest peeve um mm-hmm. because it extends to people thank you. having um viewpoints about people who are fans of her thank right? you so thank you. because it's 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 like oh, okay you're a fan of beyonce so you're lesser than like oh you know you just you follow her you you just follow in the hype machine you follow her blindly and you know whatever she says and does and acts and sings is the best and the greatest and oh uh, it pisses me off because don't discount my discernment because you think you know something about someone who you don't know. Right. And I'm sorry. uh, She would not be where she is right now if she were stupid. But doesn't this speak to a larger conversation um, that's always had about Southern black women women? specifically? Yep. Um, and also about let's let's tie it back to what we're about a little bit about black creators if it's a black woman that's writing a book then the book is always or often automatically assumed to be lesser than sometimes even by our own people we assume that if a black woman wrote it we do, we go into it with this thought or this idea that it's not going to be as good um Nobody, interestingly enough, nobody ever accuses Rihanna of being dumb, right? Not in this way anyway, intellectually dumb. Nobody makes that leap. But I, I really do think it has to do with a lot of the ways the Beyonce, the, the Beyonce talks. She's a Southern black woman. And, you know, who in this country has been treated worse and assumed to be the dumbest and stepped on more than the, than the black woman? And I say Southern black women, but y'all up north, y'all got roots in the south, so, you know, follow me. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's very much that. And it's always used to break my heart to hear other black women say those things about her and make those jokes about her because I'm like, baby, they're talking about you too. Mm-hmm. The reason you have to have your inside voice and your outside voice is because you don't want to be assumed is dumb. The reason you've been code switching your whole life yeah. is because you don't want to be assumed or taken for. The only difference between you and her is she don't have to code switch because she's the boss. So it's very much that idea um, and it gets spread not just into our conversations and our attitudes but also just into the way that we perceive black 
aren't made by black women, it's never as good. There's always a problem with it. Yep. It's not as high quality. The person that made it had help. Let's talk about that. I want to talk about that had help business too. Because some man um, went on, and they did this last time when she was up against Beck too for uh, the Grammy. And um, it was a conversation about you know, Beyonce had such and such many people working on that album, and Beck played all the instruments. And this conversation, this go-round, it's been Beyonce had 70-something people working on this album, and she wrote it, so is it really that good? Is she really that tight? But nobody ever mentions the fact how many people uh, worked on and wrote To Pimp a Butterfly, how many people worked on and wrote whatever the hell Drake just so, did. But let's, let's talk about this, though. People do realize that when the writers are credited, that also includes the people who wrote the actual melodies. So yeah. if you sampled a song yes. and there were six writers on that song, yes. all six of those people are included in your list of in your list of writers for that song. So right. let's not sit here and act like it took 23 people for her to um, to form a thought to come, you know like yeah. what are we even talking about here yeah but, like when you just said that like the art of black women um is discounted so i was having a conversation earlier um with uh christina and um uh i don't know if she want me to say her her real first name here so i'll just say dl um about um how Black women indie writers never get their just due. Mm -hmm. um, and particularly in this whole we need diverse books movement situation, mm -hmm. um, by some of the people who are outcrying for more diversity, they still are segregating themselves in ways okay. from indie writers. Yeah. And it's in it's that whole, it's seen as less than, it's seen as not good enough. It's seen as, oh, they're just creating whatever. Um, and a lot of people, you get lumped in with the larger, because, you know, if you go on Amazon right now and look at, like, African-Americans, self-published, whatever the hell, you're going to see, like, my girl got a girlfriend, part 16, or, you know. So it gets all lumped in with that shit, and they let a few ridiculous people who very well could have talent. I don't know how to read this shit. Um, but they let that ridiculousness that kind of pervades the mainstream audience to color their viewpoints of the rest of the pool. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. yes. um, and it's, it's really irritating to me, um, especially as someone who, you know, been writing a book for about 43 years now okay, um, all right. <laughs> but you know it, it's really disheartening to know mm -hmm. that you can put your blood sweat and tears into something and, mm -hmm. and work to release a product that is of the utmost the highest quality possible and for it still to be seen as not good enough can I just to. we've been there right haven't we I mean <laughs> we are there. there right now like been there we've had people sit and tear apart what we do and the quality that we do but they'll go up for other folk 
<laughs> but they want to go up for us because we're not, and it is because we're, you know, it's black women doing it, and it got to be some homemade bullshit. And maybe it is homemade, but that doesn't mean it's bullshit. Right. But they don't look at it that way. People just don't look at the look at it that way. And it's amazing to me. You have Beyonce, who is arguably, maybe not arguably anymore, really, but the biggest pop star, biggest star in the world. Seriously, like she is. So. She's still getting challenged about her contribution to her own work, about how much she really does and how much she's intellectually capable of. And so I think she was saying a little bit of that in in uh, Lemonade when we are thinking she's talking about Jay-Z, but when she's saying these things like, if I wasn't me, would you still love me? Even though I'm all of these things, mm -hmm. I do all of these things, I'm me. And it's still not enough. It's still not good enough for you. You still doubt me. You still want something more. This ain't, I am I am a black woman at the top of my game, at the top of the game, male or female, it make no difference. And it's still not enough for you. I don't, and I mean, I, I as I listened, I was like, she's not talking to Sean Carter. She is talking to us, to the world, in relation to how they treat black women in general. Mm-hmm. She is not speaking to her husband, but that is the, you know, it's the, it's art. She's saying, this is how y'all treat us. We do these things, but it's okay. We're going to be all right. <laughs> we got this, but look at, look at how you treat us. And so I, I took, I went to that, to that place because it made, that's all I heard. I was like, I doubt half of this is any of this is about her real life. I really took it as she's speaking to the rest of the world. She's speaking to black men in the way that they regard us. She's speaking to the world in the way that they treat black women. She didn't put that Malcolm X quote in there for funsies. Mm -mm. <laughs> no, she definitely did not. And so it really just kind of resonated with me that after all this woman has done, people, specifically black men, are trying to discredit her Still work discounted. by saying she didn't do it. Yep. Still discount it. There's no way she couldn't have done. There's no way she could have done this by herself. There's no way she could have conceptualized this by herself. No, she didn't really have that much input. Her collaborators did more than she could ever. And it, then, and then, and then, no credit for bringing uh, Warsenshire's work to the mainstream and bringing it to all of these black women who need to hear it, who may not have ever heard of it or ever had access to it, if not for Beyonce. No credit for doing that. Oh, no, no, no. No, no she's because her. she's using her. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, okay, I, I really hate when people get history about, like, shit like that. Yeah. Um, because I'm yeah. like, why would you not, like, Warshenshire's work is just gut-wrenchingly beautiful like and it is so raw and just real and it's so relatable but if you are not on tumblr you did not know about her yeah i'm sorry you didn't her and people make art it's meant to be seen it's meant to be consumed and you and should it, want to promote it i promise you she's not sitting at home mad because you can't nobody in the world get a hold of her book mm. i know she's not sitting at home feeling away <laughs> that that book her book went out to who it was supposed to go out to because of Beyonce but nobody wants to give Beyonce the credit it's very much it's this perception of you're a black woman so there's no way you meant well that you created this art that you people oh well you know give credit to Solange maybe maybe but still 
the woman put all of these black women in this work because she's saying we all we got. So if yep. it took her sister, if it took her sister to bring this up out of her, good. Her sister ain't sitting at home mad. Okay. I guarantee her sister is at home proud as hell of her for for growing into this person, for making this work. Yes. Oh, oh. I don't know. It's okay. So tell me, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. T- tell me why you think folks mix, miss the mark by comparing this to their eyes are watching God. Uh, simply because to know Janie Crawford mm-hmm. and her journey, I don't mm-hmm. think that, I think that in pieces, Lemonade kind of is parallel, mm-hmm. but I feel like the woman of Lemonade is not in any way resembling Janie Crawford. Now, I'm trying to think of a way to say this. Um, Okay. I don't know. I feel like, this is going to sound really mean or harsh or whatever, but I feel like that woman is weak Mm -hmm. um, and very much seeking like validation Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you, you know, look at the latter half of the album, um, when we get into like Sandcastles and Forward and Love Drought, um, especially Love Drought, right? Like Janie Crawford would have like smacked her homegirl in the face if she came at her, like talking like the woman of Love Drought. Like, cause it's, so that, that song in particular, like, <laughs> Actually, it's one of my favorites. Um, but it is like a broken woman trying to get this man to put her back together, you know? And I feel like Janie was more like, I don't need you motherfuckers to put me together. Like, actually, I can do bad all by myself. And so the woman of Lemonade gets to that point eventually. Um, but I wouldn't draw it as a straight parallel. See, I thought that they I thought that it was more of the when Jenny was married to Maya was the face. Yeah, and she was closed off and mm-hmm. she intentionally shut down and closed off and made herself smaller. That's where I thought the parallel was coming in because this person in the beginning was very much like I did these things when she was when she was reading the poem about um you know, she wore white and fasted and, you know, she made herself small, you know, for that. That's where I kind of felt like, well, maybe yeah. that's where they're getting some of that. So that's Not I so said, much how she ended up. Like, it could be, pe- like, pieces. Yeah. I definitely yeah. feel like there are apparel, but as a, the work as a whole. Oh, yeah. I'm no. like, mm. And then, too, like, a lot of people were like, oh, this is very, like, Toni Morrison. And where okay okay thank you all right so <laughs> i don't i will just move along <laughs> so okay but no okay i i can see some of that and i am thinking paradise um i'm thinking um a little bit of pilot um and I think that's just the imagery. I don't really know. Yeah, I think I think a lot of it. Here. Yeah, I think a lot of it was the imagery. But um, when you have these women, I mean, I immediately thought Paradise when I saw the movie, the movie um, 
I did. I did. And I thought of when they were in the woods and they were doing their thing and making the greens and pressing mm-hmm. each other's hair and shit. I thought of Song of Solomon. <laughs> um, I did. I thought of that. I thought of some of Sula um, elements of it. I, I think the, the, the thing with this album, too, that you have to remember if you haven't seen it, I don't really know what to tell you, but um, it doesn't really it's two different things so if you listen to the album separate from the video movie you're going to walk away like what the fuck are they talking about (laughs) yeah it's two completely different experiences (laughs) when you go into it looking at the at the movie as it was intended then you kind of on that page i thought like six inch that first part there's been conversation about sex work i don't really know if i would take it there but i thought of sula and um a little bit and i and a little bit um, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's not a reach, but it's a reach. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm gonna switch. Um, because I think we're probably running a little bit long here, so I'm gonna switch it off so we can talk about um some of the works that we thought uh kind of uh you know went along the lines of <laughs> okay. the themes and everything like that. I don't have very many more that haven't been discussed, but you gonna laugh. But go ahead. Oh, that's fine. Go ahead. Um, so. Um, I guess I'll start. Mm-hmm. Okay, so don't laugh at this. But the first one that popped into my head actually was the Women of Brewster Place because I didn't think that Lemonade was a necessarily one woman's story, and I felt like the different vignettes could um, apply to the different stories of the women that were within the Women of Brewster Place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, that was my first. Okay. All right. Um, don't lie. Okay. <laughs> Love by Toni Morrison. And I was thinking of Daddy. Uh... <laughs> so terrible. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. So, you know how in love it's all about. <laughs> it's all about her love and her daddy. A little, you know, love and her daddy. And it made me think of Daddy Lessons, even though um, it's not the same kind of story. There's definitely that theme of, like, this adoration of who your father is versus who you thought your father was versus who he is as a man. I think that as women, we um, – as I don't want to say women, I'm sorry, but as people who uh, – women who are close to their fathers um, and who just think their daddy's hung the moon and the stars, you know him as your daddy, but you don't really know him as a partner and how he is until you wake up one day and you're like, oh. Oh, hey, yeah, remind me of my daddy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it just made me think of love and that relationship to the father and some of those kind of hmm, hmm, that little you like my daddy, that little what is that? What's the opposite of Oedipus? <laughs> um, ooh, I don't know. Yeah. I should say so, it. you feel me. <laughs> you picking up what I'm putting down, and I hope y'all do too. <laughs> All right, so don't laugh at me. <laughs> oh, we keep saying that. Okay, don't laugh. All right, go ahead. Um, Disappearing Acts by Terry McMillan. Do tell. <laughs> Do tell. <laughs> you won't have to break that one down for a G, because I don't. So if only for the evolution of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> go on. don't laugh at me. But 
Zora and Franklin and the shit that they go through and that sort of like initially Zora was all about Franklin and you know despite him not being her ideal man she learned to love him and was kind of um pretty much head over heels like kind of <laughs> no pun intended crazy in love mm-hmm. <laughs> and then she gets to a point where she realizes that okay we're going back and forth this whole time he's telling me you know selling me these sweet little lies or whatever but in actuality this motherfucker ain't about a damn thing and i can do bad all by my damn self mm-hmm. okay so you know it's kind of like lemonade in reverse okay right because mm-hmm. it goes from that whole like being lovey-dovey da, 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 whatever whatever blinded by your love and to like actually i ain't sorry no you know so yeah. um so yeah okay Fair enough. It's your interpretation. No, I do follow you. <laughs> um, I have two more. Uh, Citizen, Citizen, uh, by Claudine Rankin. I just thought of Citizen. Uh, Citizen is a, po- a book of poems that talks about microaggressions towards Black people, or just aggressions, aggressions. And there's a great big portion of it. Um, poem about uh, Serena Williams, who is in. Girl, I almost said Selena Johnson. I don't know why my brain <laughs> malfunctions in that way. But um, Serena, <laughs> Serena Williams. And um, it, it, it talks about these things and how Serena was unfairly, I don't want to say fairly or unfairly, but just they just went after Serena in every way possible. Um, and how she was attacked and how she continues to be and how we're all attacked every day. Um, and it, it made me think of this because of the women, the girls that she put in this, mm-hmm. um, in this project, a lot of them, well, hell, almost all of them had been attacked, um, victimized in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, when you talk about, uh, what's a little Amanda and her being rude and how, uh, why folks lost their, illiterate ass minds because they didn't realize she was black um Kwa- when someone at the onion thought it appropriate to call her a cunt on oscar winning night uh oscar night um hell blue y'all love coming for little young young blue um yep. zendaya with zendaya the with the yep hell i'll take you one step further and say the mamas the mothers yes. of um Mike Brown, Mike Brown and Trayvon, they have been victimized in the most brutal way, and their motherhood and their, their children. I mean, when you when you criticize the mother's child, you're criticizing the mother mm-hmm. and the work that they've done and the love that they've put into that child. And so the the way that their sons have been vilified and and um, characterized as monsters is an attack on them. And I thought of Claudine's book. And so that is why I chose Citizen. Okay. Um, Sorry, I accidentally closed my email. Um, (laughs) All right. uh, So my last one is um, this book called Trading Dreams at Midnight by Diane McKinney Whetstone, which Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I've talked about on this show before. Um, But it's a story about sisters. um, uh, I mean, not sisters, sorry. Sisters and mothers 
mm-hmm. and how the cycle continues. Okay. Uh, and so uh, what made me think about it uh, was more so eliminate the film than eliminate the album, mm-hmm. um, particularly the poem of Warshan Shires where she's talking about um, you look just like your mother, you look nothing like your mother. And mm-hmm. she goes through that whole thing or whatever. And it's a whole thing. Um, the the book Trade and Dreams at Midnight um, essentially is a story of like redemption mm-hmm. um, and sort of like a renewal or rebirth um, in ways too. And so the themes that were discussed within, um, particularly with the cycle of sameness uh, and things of that nature had me being like, hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got you. I got you. Actually, I have two more. Okay. 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 The first one you're going to, I mean, bless, uh, Blessings by Shanice <laughs> Jackson. Remember that? Yeah. We talked about it. It really did. It did. Because I, I think that there was a tendency to think that this, you know, because of the way this art was presented, it got very, you know, Tumblr responses and very kind of, you know, special unicorn black girl responses. But it also really resonated with everybody, black woman of all kinds, and these stories of everyday women that go through these things. And people were able, you know, whether people thought it was Beyonce's life story or whatever she's been going through or not, for the first time they felt like somebody is truly telling my story because it's easy to write that story about someone who did you wrong and you like to the left, to the left, but a lot of us stay. You know what I mean? A lot of women stay and they work it out and they and they deal with it and they try to deal with it. And sometimes you come out of the other side of the good, sometimes you don't. But I think she told that story um, that in a way that if you take away the poetry and the and the imagery and all of those things, it's just a very real story um, that a lot of women that can can relate to and here I am being all of these things to you and I'm not enough you know and I don't want to go too far into the Becky with the good hairline but I did feel like it was a thing that saying here I am loving you you know if you didn't have no money if you weren't you if you wasn't a man and you just yourself looking like you do and I love you regardless but you don't love me back in that same way and you want somebody who has what I don't have uh, which is these features or whatever. And so I just felt like the reason I kind of picked that book is because it was just a very every woman story. <clears throat> and I didn't, I don't want Lemonade to feel like it's something for the, for the, I keep saying Tumblr elite, the highbrow, the, <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, I said I had another one and then I don't know what I did with it, so don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> But there's so many things here. Um, we could probably talk about this for like another three hours, I feel like. <laughs> it feels like it has been three hours. Thank you for sticking with us. Uh, no, but it was a phenomenal piece of work, a phenomenal piece of art. Um, like I said, you came, you left with what you came with. So I love the last part of the album. I really didn't care too much about her husband and what's going on up in their marriage because... It's not my marriage, what do I care? Okay. <laughs> what do you care? It is not my life, so why should I care? I think that's very important. You know, I didn't get to touch on the fact that when people think you are relationship goals, sometimes it's very hard to talk about the things that you go through because people feel like, like I, 
get relationship gold a lot <laughs> whenever, you know, I do. And I'm fortunate to have a really great husband of the relationship is great. But as a woman, it's very hard for me to talk to other women about any issues I might be having because I can say it's the trash. You don't take out the trash enough. And it always circles back to, mm -hmm, see, told you they wasn't so perfect. See, he's probably cheating on her too. And it always right. goes back to that. It's very difficult to to be that person when people think has the ideal relationship when you're like, eh. Or, you know, he didn't come this way. <laughs> you know what I mean? He didn't, he didn't come to me this way. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so it's time for my favorite segment of the show. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What are you reading, Tamika? What are you reading, Jeanette? That's <laughs> the question. What am I reading? I am reading a book called Ghetto Side. Ghetto okay. Side. Okay. Tell by, me uh, a True Story of Murder in America by Jill Leovy. Leovy. L-E-O-V-Y. Um, it is a nonfiction book, which is why it's called A True Story of Murder in America. And it covers um, the murder of a young man in South, South Central, what they call it, but South Los Angeles um, as he's going home. Um, and it basically covers, it talks about like what was happening or what's happening, what still is happening in South LA um, and in these neighborhoods. It kind of gives a history of the violence that happens and how the criminal justice system regards um, specifically murders, specifically black on black murders. Um, I'm not, fin I mean, it, it follows a, a one detective as he tries to solve this case that's, a, that's essentially unsolvable because there's so many of them. It happens all the time. Most of them go dead. It just, they're not solved. At one point, they were, they were 6,000, 7,000 murders in a year um, in this area, and it just follows this cop's career, and uh, he's a detective, and then there's another detective who's actually the father of the boy who was killed, and it follows his career and who he is. Um, and them trying to do the impossible and figure out who solved this crime. Um, it really challenges some of the ways that we think, I know I think, about police and their attitudes about black lives um, and black crime and the conflict um, that, yeah, some of them are racist, a lot of them are racist, and they feel racist. They feel a way about black people when you have to work in this really crazy environment. But there's also just a conflict of what they say and how they feel sometimes when they get pissed off and what they actually do and the work that they do um, is very interesting and has cha I'm not even a quarter of the way through and I've already been challenged you know it's challenged the way that I think and some ideas that I've held for a long time but what's more interesting is um, the way that this is written she even goes so far Jeanette, and I'll, I know I'm going long but she even goes so far as to compare when we talk about black on black crime and how black people are so da, 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 da. she goes into history and when I say history I mean like ancient history this group of people was this way and wasn't really they didn't really care um, in, mid in the Middle East you know they don't care about Arabs killing Arabs as long as Arabs are killing Arabs and not these other groups of people. So it's very well done and thought out and um, so far so good. So Ghetto Side, A True Story of Murder in America by Jill Leovi. I think this is one I won't be crunk about like 
I am about Columbine. So mm-hmm. okay. yeah, I know I love Columbine. So what are you reading? Nothing. Uh, I read. Okay. Okay, because remember, it's what have you read for me? What you been reading? <laughs> <laughs> what you been reading and stuff. Um, so a couple days ago, I've read uh, Men We Reaped by Jasmine Ward. Um, and shut up it was amazing and I hate that I put off reading it for so long um, Mm -hmm. because I so okay guys just complete transparency here I salvaged the bones didn't quite I never finished it it didn't quite curl over for me and so um, I didn't know if I wanted to read this book Um, but then uh, Ashley was like, no, it's really good. Like, just mm-hmm. go read it. Um, and it was heartbreakingly just beautifully written. Um, it's a memoir, and she's talking about um, young men in the community where she's from. She's from Delisle, Mississippi, um, mm-hmm. which I'd never heard of, but it's right next to, oh, hell, I'm going to forget the name of um, where Robin Roberts is from. Uh, forgot the name of the damn town. They said like 5,000 times in this book. Um, but nevertheless, so it's on like, you know, the bayou. Um, and they were affected by Katrina and things of that nature. But um, she talks about, I think it's four or five young men um, that she grew up with in the community that uh, she lost in different ways. So the first um, person that she lost was her brother, actually, who mm-hmm. was in a really bad car accident. And then she talks about um, some of the other friends in the neighborhood who were like um, either killed or uh, OD'd. One young man committed suicide. Um, and between telling the stories of these young men she weaves in the narrative of her life oh wow okay and 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 growing up in her family with her parents and everything like that and it's just it's beautifully constructed and it's probably one of my favorite things that i've read in quite some time oh wow so yeah i think i, I think i have that on audio and i gave up on it on audio as yeah. i do <laughs> It was it was really um, so I I know virtually nothing about the deep deep south Mm -hmm. um, because my people don't come from like deep deep south like I think as far south as we are like Blasville Arkansas so that's Mm -hmm. like mid south or whatever Um, and so I've been to Mississippi like a couple times um, Mm -hmm. with my uh, cousin stepmother because she's from like the small town in Mississippi and um, but that was when I was a kid so I don't really too much recall like the details of it but just her describing like um the town that she's from and how people were um because I did I I, you always have a certain um sort of image of writers who achieve certain levels of acclaim um particularly if they come from um, the Ivy League or something like that. You don't think about where they were before they went there. So, okay. like, in this book, she's talking about, like, how she go back to the crib and, like, just be sitting around the homie house, like, getting fucked up. And I'm like, yo, like, for real? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it's it, it's um the juxtaposition of who I know her to be as a writer, um, as opposed to who she is as a woman, um, I found very interesting. Mm. Yeah. So it was. I want to read it now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. I have to check it out. Yeah. Finish Highly it. Highly recommend. Highly recommend. 
Okay, well, guys, I feel like we gave you all the, the best that we got. <laughs> okay, Anita, make <laughs> Giving you the best that... Okay, sorry. <laughs> so, because we gave you the best that we got... Now we'll be back in two weeks. I'm just kidding. I was going to say, we'll see y'all in July. We still don't know how to end a show. We like 50 shows deep, and we still don't know how to end a show. I like how Beyonce can make it to the Met Gala, but not to Nashville. Okay. Okay. Have a good night. All right. (laughs)